Welcome everyone to Seek, Go, Create. This is Tim Winders. I am now relocated. I'm sitting in the passenger seat of the RV Theo, and uh, we are now in beautiful Southern Utah. It is gorgeous weather. I'm actually sitting here in shorts and flip-flops, and it's in December. We're recording this in late, <laughs> in late 2021. You might be listening to it in 2022, but man, I love it when I could do that in the middle of winter. I am excited about our guest today. It has, uh, what he does has a lot of personal meaning to me, and I know it impacts and touches a lot of people in the world. So I'll get to the introduction in just a moment, but I do want to remind you, if you want detailed notes, if you want to connect with us, if you want all things Seek, Go, Create, you go to our website, seekgocreate.com. We've got where you could connect to all of our social channels. You can add comments, ask questions. You could connect with me personally, and you could just find out all things about Seek, Go, Create. We have extensive notes from our podcast and interviews there so that you can go look at it in outline form. If we mention resources as we have our conversation, you can find all of that there. So make sure you visit seekgocreate.com. If you haven't visited before, make sure you give us your best email address when you go there so that we can keep you connected with all that we're doing. So today I have Edward Grinnan as our guest, and he is the editor-in-chief and Vice President of Guidepost Publications. There's a lot more to his bio, but Edward, welcome to Seek Go Create. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, Jim, uh, Tim, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump on you right away for a couple of things. Um, Go ahead. First of all, I think it's cruel for you to sit there and while you're you're broadcasting to people in the middle of January that you have shorts on and it's a sunny day. I think that's that's really mean. Um, because the rest of us are probably going to be freezing our tails off uh, at the time that you're broadcasting. And the second thing is, you mentioned in your introduction uh, about feeling nostalgic about guideposts. And, and a lot of people do because they saw guideposts of their parents and their grandparents, you know, homes growing up. Uh, but by, guideposts is by no means a nostalgic magazine. Uh, we certainly, uh, our content is, is meant to be very contemporary and to really be part of the national conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you correcting me on that because I wrote well, not some notes. Well, yeah, no, no, it's cool. We, and we could have fun with that. I think, I, I, first of all, I love you uh, getting on to me for wearing my shorts. And when people are listening to this in January, February, uh, hey, I live in an RV. I go where the weather suits me well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you and Bud Camp. I'm going to circle back, Edward, to uh, to what we just talked about because I, I wrote down the word storyteller when you were correcting me on the nostalgia piece. And I think storytelling is timeless and I think it's always current and it's always relevant. And to me, Guidepost has always been great at storytelling. But before I, before we do that, I, I love to ask the question first, you and I bump into each other and we're, it's socialist business, whatever. And I just, I just say, Edward, what do you do? What do you typically tell people when they ask you what you do? I tell them that I help people tell personal true stories of hope and inspiration that bring more faith and prayer to the world. Um, and then when I say that, people look at me like I'm crazy. Unless they know God boasts and then they understand completely. But, you know, the people who don't, you know, people who don't understand God posts or are unfamiliar with it 
are incredibly fascinated once they find out what we do and and what the concept of the magazine has always been which is a very i mean i always like to say that we guy post magazine was the original user-generated content you know founded 50 years before that term came into vogue um, by dr norman vincent peel who uh would go on to write uh the power of positive thinking one of the great spiritual self-help books ever written probably the best but it was he founded guidepost seven years before that and mm. it was meant as a venue for people ordinary people to tell their personal stories of of how they used faith in their daily lives in monday through saturday as it were you know and a lot of people in the publishing business and he knew many media people he himself at a radio show at the time and had published several books thought that was a really crazy idea that that people would want to hear stories from ordinary people. And um, uh, he proved them wrong because those stories meant a lot to him and he knew that they would mean a lot to his audience. So that's how we got here. And we're still doing it. 76 years later, you know, we are, we consider ourselves America's storytellers. Yeah. And, and let's go ahead and say, I mean, uh, I, and I appreciate you kind of calling me out earlier on the nostalgia piece. 76 years though, that is some longevity in publishing anything i mean I, I think we could probably count on some you know just a few hands the organizations that have lasted that long um you already mentioned kind of the starting point of uh guidepost and i i would love to go into a conversation about norman vincent peel because his books have impacted me and mm -hmm. until i was doing research on you and all, i don't think i knew there was a connection there i don't think i don't think i don't think i knew that was the history of guidepost but let's start off this way and then I may back up a little bit if you're okay with mm -hmm. that, but tell me what guidepost is doing right now today, because y'all are doing a reset. There's some great things going on, major redesign. Tell us about that. But then I may want to hear a little bit of historical because I think that's important. Also. Sure. Well, you know, we just this summer, uh, we completely relaunched the magazine and and it's sort of counterintuitive in in the in the world of media today, where, where print is seen as sort of the the you know the old guard, and and you know people have said for years now, for decades, that print is dead. Print is definitely not dead. Um, and we've and Guideposts has always been our flagship, you know, publication. We have a number of other magazines plus a whole book division. We do a lot of publishing, uh, but Guideposts was really you know the the tip of the spear, and we felt that instead of pulling back from it we should really double down um so that's what we did we uh increased the size of the magazine by a good 30 pages per issue to 100 pages we improved the paper we redesigned um the entire uh, magazine we added new features uh more third person uh informational features to mix in with all those powerful emotional first person stories we tell um and, and we've really just given the magazine new life and we're delighted with the response that we're getting from readers. The one thing we did do differently was we reduced the frequency of publication from 10 times a year to six. But we took the, the we were able to, that helped us be able to afford to reinvest in the, in the magazine. And the results, as far as I'm concerned, have been terrific. And the response from the readers has been terrific as well. I mean, they would like us to publish guideposts every week. Um, but as it is, uh, this frequency, you know, all our magazines are published bimonthly. So this is not in any way out of the ordinary for us to, to convert Guidepost to a bimonthly publication. We think we're giving the readers terrific content 
uh, each and every issue, and we, we pour ourselves into it. So um, that's yeah, and- that's really the, the, the most exciting thing I, th- I think we've done as far as the magazine goes. But like most media organizations, we're shifting to more 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 and more digital content and digital products, and 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 more than than that, a way to 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 engage with our content and engage in in our mission um, digitally as well as through print and other formats, which is really how you have to do it today. Yeah, I, I think I, I shared with you maybe before we clicked on start that my first interaction with Guidepost was probably 50 years ago. And the little magazines were stacked up on my grandparents. Both are past. So that could be one of the reasons why I bring the word nostalgia in is that I no longer am able to go sit in those chairs that have stacks of guidepost magazines beside them. And we would sit there and like grandparents, you know, know, there's not much to do there. And so I read cover to cover. I don't know how many guidepost magazines when I was eight, nine, 10, 11 years old and uh, inspirational. Uh, You know, I guess a logistics question, maybe, I don't know if people know this or not, but there's a term now that we call crowdsourced, where you know mm-hmm. you get people to contribute youtube is that way and you know other things you know upload videos our guidepost has always seemed to be sort of that way where people submit or they have articles cuz y'all are basically aggregating articles from people or are they are they written in house or people submitting how does that work well you know it's it's a fascinating process and um you know we get thousands of submissions and we solicit solicit uh, stories uh, every year and you know we we have a staff that goes through the story sometimes the stories are, are, are in publishable uh condition but sometimes it's, it's someone will write us a letter and say i have this wonderful story it's this thing that happened to me and how my faith made a huge difference and but i'm not a writer um so i don't know how to tell this story and so we'll assign them to an editor and that editor will work with them on, on how to articulate that particular experience for for our audience um, and it's it's really it's an incredible formula for us because it is so, you know, the the editor and the the storyteller develop a very close relationship, so that that story is is told as as truthfully and as vividly as 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 it can possibly be told, and nothing goes into guideposts that that the the byliners haven't you know approved. You know, we're one of those magazines. You know, there's there's a lot of magazines people don't want to be in. They really don't want to show up in. Guidepost is a magazine. Everyone in Guidepost wants to be there. And they want to be there for basically one reason, because they think their story is going to help somebody else, particularly help other people in their spiritual growth and well-being and in inspiring their daily lives. So people want to tell these stories because they want to help others and they want to be inspirations. And I think we all, to some degree, want to inspire other people. And Guidepost is, is one of the great ways to do that tell your story sure. so and our stories come from all over i mean if, if you're familiar with guy as you are um you know we usually have a celebrity on the cover um but most of the stories are ordinary people and people you go to church with people you ride the bus with you know the people you see in the shopping mall you know those those are the people who tell their stories in guideposts and that's what makes us i think you know unique but also you know, very very helpful you know, put people put down Guidepost magazine, they feel better. And if you can make people feel better in a healthy way, then you're contributing to the betterment of the world. And for us, that means filling the world with hope, faith, and prayer. 
Yeah, and I, I think no one would argue with us in the, in the age of arguing about everything. No one should argue that the world needs more hope and inspiration. If they do, I'm not sure exactly how to go. <laughs> I don't know how to communicate with them. But if someone says, no, we don't need any more hope and inspiration, then, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know what to do with that. But well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Because, because we are, because we're human beings, you know, I think that has always been the case. Bill Wilson, who founded AA or co-founded AA, said that um, the world is a troubled place because it's full of troubled people. And I think that's always been the case. I think um, we as spiritual people need to infuse the world with with hope and inspiration to to counteract the troubles that people have. And in guidepost, people have troubles, and they you know what they use is, is their faith to work work themselves through their troubles. Yeah, yeah, and I, again, very inspiring. So. So, Edward, I've, I, a few questions about you. It seems like you've been, I think it said, I think I saw 30 years. I don't know if that's incorrect. Let me know. But you've been with the organization 30 years in some form or capacity. Tell me longer. a little bit about I have to longer. longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me a little bit. One of the things we love to do here at Seek Go Create is we love to talk about redefining success and people's journeys. Tell us a little bit about your journey. What, uh, what was your background growing up? And then how did that lead you to what you have done for, you say, longer than 30 years at Guidepost? So you really want to know, huh? Well, yeah, I guess I, I would start by saying, unlike you, Tim, uh, I had no idea what Guidepost was. I'd never heard of it. When I did hear of it, I thought it was a travel magazine. I said, huh, travel magazine. That's what it sounds like. Now, if you were to substitute the word journey for travel, um, for me, that's what Guidepost has been. I came to Guidepost at a period in my life when I was, well, I, you know, I feel like I can, I can be open about this because I have written about it before. It's, it's, I was an alcoholic. I was, I was really in bad shape. You know, I was barely, you know, keeping myself off the streets. I'd, I'd been on and off the streets for in years before. Um, and I was as, as low as, as, as I possibly could get. I was, you know, suicidal. I was depressed. I didn't think I could get sober, but I was trying to get sober once again. And because um, I'd been in and out of, of the AA program and in and out of rehabs and detoxes and so forth for a number of years. Um, so I was I was I was getting sober again. I was trying to solidify this relationship with God that I knew I needed, you know, to get and stay sober and which I had struggled with so much. And wondering what I was going to do, I was pretty much penniless and I didn't have a job and I needed anything to, to give me a paycheck. And I get a call from a recruiter and saying, would you like to go for an interview at Guidepost? Now, again, I thought Guidepost was a travel magazine. So I said, ah, I get some free trips out of this. This might be fun if they give me a job. Though I couldn't imagine anyone giving me a job because I never would have hired me. Um, <clears throat> but what really puzzled me was that I'd never heard of this recruiter. And she was telling me that she was looking at my resume and that she thought maybe I would like to go over and do this interview. And I'm like, I never sent you my resume and I don't know who you are and I don't know how you got my resume, let alone calling me up and asking me if I want to have an interview in a magazine I never heard of. It all seemed so strange to me. And so I, thought was, I, I was almost afraid it was a scam. So, but as I said, I was desperate. And my sponsors in the program said, you know, you need to find a job no matter what it is and just hang on to it for a year. I get your relationships, you know, with your higher power correct. 
And so I went in and I was surprised to find out what Gaipos really was. And the atmosphere was seemed creative and dynamic and they had interesting people. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll, I can hang out here for a year if they'll give me a job. And they gave me the job, which I still don't understand how and why they did that, but they did. And um, so I said, I'll stick around for a year and I'll work on my resume and then I'll get my real job, right? You know, and uh, that was in 1986. So uh, mm. it's been a year at a time, <laughs> a year at a time and a day at a time since then. But I had, um, I had no intention of, of making a career. Here's what happened though, I think, at Guidepost was the doing the work nourished me spiritually. It finally helped me find, you know, a path and a relationship to God. Um, and, you know, working with these people who told these tremendously inspiring stories of their lives began to change me. And I never thought work would change me. I thought work would pay the rent, you know, but slowly but surely my spiritual growth was attached to the work I was doing. And that came as a complete surprise to me. And that's why, you know, after a year, I thought I'll stay another year and another year. And I realized how much I, how grateful I was to do the work I was doing. And it was that gratitude that really kept me going. Mm. I, I love that story. It actually sounds very familiar. I mean, when I years ago read a lot of Norman Vincent Peale, I was also reading Ogmandino, Greatest Salesman in the World. And, you know, if you're familiar with Ogmandino, his story is very similar. He was alcoholic, suicidal, and stumbled into a library, started reading, and then he started writing uh, for Success Magazine and all. Anyway, but th what, a, what a powerful story. It's almost as if you were a soul that was seeking his assignment on earth, and when you found that, things just came together. Some of the things that you were dealing with just kind of fell to the side. Would that be a, a, a decent assessment? Yeah, I definitely. I, I felt that, that, you know, what happened at Guideposts, is that I started, I started on this spiritual path of sobriety. I was able to finally get sober. And, and I thought, you know, God's striking a bargain with me, which is <laughs> I will help you get sober, but you have to do this work in exchange. And I thought that's a pretty good deal because it was enriching me and I was feeling optimistic and positive and like I had a place in the world and like there was meaning to my life which I had completely lost uh, up until that point and that there was no meaning to my life except drinking and drugging um and slowly but surely I found that meaning working at guidepost because of the people because of the audience you know I had friends in, in the publishing at the time I talked to, and they were, worked at the big, you know, Hearst, Condé Nast, there comes the big companies. And they, I'd call them on the phone or see them for coffee, and they would all complain about the politics of the office and the bad bosses and the horrible hours and the poor pay. And I thought, gosh, I, I go to work, and I'm, I'm really happy about the people I work with. And I love the audience that I serve. And I, the work that I do is meaningful, and, and, and I don't feel bitter and angry about it so you know it took me a little while it took me a few years to realize that i've been given an incredible gift uh sure. to be able to do this work um because i have a thick skull and i'm not that smart so um it but after a few years it dawned on me that i had been led someplace very special 
and then I should stick around at least for one more year at the time. <laughs> so you've been doing one more years now for 35, 30 yeah. something years. <laughs> That's beautiful. Edward, I, I'm going to ask you something. I know you kind of moved up and all that, and I want to talk to you more about the organization and things, but the culture, we've got a lot of business owners, people that run ministries, uh, other things that are listening in. What do you think it is about that culture that, because you're correct, I mean, journalism, you know, print publications, you know, now digital publications, that can be very grueling, deadline-oriented, kind of some ugly stuff I've heard. I've never been involved, but my wife has a background as a journalist major and all. Mm -hmm. What is it about that culture? Is it just the mission or is there something else that you might can give this practical tip that someone who's creating culture and organization would love to hear? Well, you mentioned that you have ministries and a nonprofit and guidepost is a nonprofit. Um, the fact that we are mission based um, and that our mission is very, very tangible in terms of our relationship with our audience, I think is kept. I think it's what, you know, there's a lot of people who have similar stories uh, to mine at Guidepost, not the the grim side of it, but who came to Guidepost not thinking, you know, thought they'd learn some skills and move on, and who've stayed for decades. We have incredible retention. Even in the time of the, the, the so-called great resignation, we really haven't lost any people. And that's amazing because so many media companies have lost people during the, the so-called great resignation that is sort of in the tail end of the pandemic. I would say that the the mission of the company, a mission-based company, and that mission is tangible and, and and accessible to the employees, is is what really drives a great company like Guidepost. Um, people stay there because they they love what we do. They love they love, and that's not just the content producers who have the most immediate contact and interaction with our audience and get that immediate feedback from the audience. Like you saying, oh, I've read Guidepost for years. I love Guidepost. My parents love Guidepost. Um, but everybody throughout the organization is able to see, and we're a rel relatively small company, is able to see the impact of the content on the audience and how that serves the mission. So you have more than just a job to go to. You have, you have a mission you're contributing to. And one of the things I think everybody at Guidepost thinks about every day when they do their job is how does my, how does my job bring... Uh, faith, hope, and prayer into the world? How does it inspire people to grow spiritually and to develop greater, greater spiritual well-being? And I think that's, you know, when you have that as a goal of a company, you have a dedicated workforce. I can't imagine anyone staying at Guidepost very long who didn't feel that. Right, right. Yeah, that's good because I, I, I wondered about that mission when you started talking about the, just the environment because I'll tell you, I mean, I'm a business consultant. I go into organizations and boy, we don't see that very much. So I, I, I love the thought of that, just the mission, the importance of mission. Now, one of the things that we could, you know, we could talk about all the great things and all, but I am sure in the course of your career with the organization, there's been a lot of really great things. And then there's also been some challenges and we don't shy away from talking about challenges and things like that here on Seat Go Create. So, you know, you've talked about culture and anything like that. Any other things that over the course of your career really cool that you have enjoyed? It's like, wow, this was a big, big moment that I loved. And in the same breath, you know, maybe some challenges. I mean, just working uh, 
in organizations can be tough or something. I'm not asking to air dirty laundry, but just, you know, something that was been a challenge with a print publication or, you know, the nature of ups and downs of cycles, anything like that that you could think of? All right, I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. This is mission-based and it, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a small moment of my career, but it, it, I've never forgotten it. Um, I had a long time reader send me a letter um, and her father had just died and she sent me his you know, the little uh, bio that they did for his memorial service. She said, I thought you'd be interested. He loved guideposts and you know, here it is. So I read through it and it was fascinating. You know, he, he, he was born and grew up in, you know, the early part of the 20th century, he grew up in the depression, you know, and they had a timeline of all the important events in his life. And, um, you know, one was, you know, he, he entered the army, he, he shipped out to, to Italy to fight in World War II, came home, got his job at such and such a company, um, bought his first house, married his, you know, his wife, and, you know, had his kids and his grandkids and all of that. And it said something like 1978 and had just one entry and said, got a story in guideposts. And I thought, oh, man, that is really great. <laughs> you know, the people would that that would be on his you know, the otherwise, you know, normal, but extraordinary life in so many ways, being part of that generation. So I, I always like to tell that story because it's sort of, it, for me, it really crystallizes what Guidepost does for people in their lives. So that's those moments. And there's been many of them uh, have been the high points of my, my career at Guidepost. The, the difficulties of Guideposts are, are the difficulties of any old media company. And that's, you know, the, the, you know, for years and years, we are, were primarily a print oriented company that did business in the mailbox. You know, we, we, we developed, you know, our readership through direct mail. We were great and still are great at direct mail, but that's how we built our business for many, many years. And it was very successful and we delivered in the mailbox. You know, we sent them books like daily guideposts or sent them magazines like guideposts or angels on earth or, any of the other magazines that we published. So it was all sort of, it was all print-based and to some extent mail-based. And as you know, the world has changed quite a bit in terms of how people consume media. So for us, that shift from, from being a very successful print company and still a, a successful print company, but to find, you know, to, to, to pursue our growth outside of print. And we have very ambitious goals for growth uh, has been a challenge, not a, not an insurmountable challenge. It's been great because it's given the 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 team, um, the, the entire company, the opportunity to think creatively about other ways to, to reach into people's lives and to inspire them and to engage in spiritually nourishing content. You know, we recently um, acquired a company called Abide. I don't know if you're familiar with Abide. It's a um, it, it's an app that is a, a, it's a meditation app, but it's a, a, a biblically-based Christian meditation app that does all sorts of wonderful things, and including you know, relieving stress, dealing with anxiety. It's a sleep app, so you can listen to these beautiful stories uh, as you go to sleep. Um, and that's, that's going to open up new avenues for us digitally to reach people in in formats that may not be print they may be podcasts and they are podcasts and and and, and other forms of interaction that they give people that same sense of of wonderment that they get from 
a print guide post stories. I think people will always read. You know, they, it, it's just, it, you know, we, I think it's, it's a part of our wiring of our brain that we read, but we also crave other forms of, um, of information, of receiving information. And today's world is, is full of them. So, you know, that, that is our challenge is to, to grow. You know, we want, we reach you know, about 4 million people right now. Um, and in 10 years, we're going to reach 17 million. And we've, we've set that as our goal. And we can't do that with print alone. And we know that. And that, it, it, that goal, it's one of the things I think, you ask what makes for, you know, for a great company. And I think having big goals that are achievable, but big uh, is part of that. And, and it's the mission that drives the achievement of that goal. Edward, you know, a lot of organizations, especially what we'll call legacy organizations, they've been around for a long time. They, there's this mindset internally of, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, but we've always done it this way. This is the way we do it. Or people will come back or, you know, this is, this is what we're good at. We're not good at other things. We're good at this. Did you, are, are you the one, I guess I wanted to find out who's driving the change, the shift in what you're doing? Is it you? Is there a team? Are there other people on your team? And did you run across any of those hurdles, those mindsets that y'all had to work through? I think it would be valuable to tell the audience how you did it, if you had to deal with that. Cause I, I would expect that there would be some people that would say that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great question. And it's certainly, not me that's driving the change of guideposts. I mean, we have wonderful senior leadership, um, uh, a fairly new uh, CEO, John Temple, uh, who came on in 2017 and brought a lot of great ideas with him. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, you know, it's, I've always thought that, that, you know, that we've always done things the way we did, we, we do them versus we have to do things differently as sort of the two sides of the same coin. Um, because you know what you're good at and you cannot forget what you're good at, but you have to figure out how to be good at it differently. Um, at least that's, a, that's in, in, in our business, that's, that's the dilemma we face. And so, you, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, you know, short-term goals tend to, in, in, you know, tend to motivate people to, to do things the way they've always done them. Long-term goals, Big long-term goals is, is what's going to drive change in the way people do things. People are, you know, people are naturally conservative, and I don't mean that politically, uh, but I think people tend, it, it, it's, you know, it's a, our survival has been, you know, is based on the fact that we are we are cautious with our, ourselves. So change, you know, change can be very destabilizing. And, and you don't want change to destabilize you to the point where you can't achieve the goals you need. So that's, it's a great question. I think um, it, it, in old media companies, particularly, you know, for us, you know, our success has always been in direct mail and, and printed products that are mailed to the customer. The fact that we're very good at that, even though that's a diminishing part of our business, you know, does get some people, you know, stuck there, but reality will push you away from that reality is that you're probably not going to survive on print alone anymore we're certainly not and i think everybody 
and the company accepts that. The other part of your question that I'll answer is you get everybody involved in that. You know, it's not a top down where a small knot of senior people make decisions and then spring it on the rest of the company saying, this is what we're doing. And one of the things we've done a lot of uh, in gu guideposts in the last few years is really bring you know, different teams into the decision-making process and also making sure that we, we survey, that we get a lot of feedback from employees uh, through surveys that we do to ask very blunt questions. Do you think, you know, senior management communicates well? And we get a lot of, no, you don't, you know, and, or, or it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm overstating it, but, you know, the way the surveys are set up and honestly, we can begin to ask, you know, our, our, our employees, do they feel involved in the process? Does the process work for them? Where would we get better? That's really helped. I mean, when you, when you can get people involved in the process of change, they're much less likely to cling to the way that they used to do things. If they feel like they're a part of what they're being asked to do new. If you just voiced it on them, if you just say, this is the new directive, get with it or get out, that, that's not gonna, that's not gonna help you. So we, we try to work in a very collaborative way. Yeah, and it sounds like you have a very, I'll, I'll call it healthy culture, that when people understand that mission of hope and inspiration, uh, it's, I'll say it this way, and I'll let this is, anyway, it's hard to be a jerk. <laughs> And your mission being spreading hope and inspiration <laughs> yeah. to the world. And, and then also, I guess, an observation, I mean, you know, to, to 4X, uh, you know, as, if we're talking about growth, to go from 4 million to 17 million, which is 4X plus a smidge, you know, mm -hmm. you you are not, I, that's what in, in my world and, you know, when I'm talking about ministry and things like that, I talk about spreading the nets and spreading a lot more nets than we currently are. You're going to have mm -hmm. to spread a lot of nets. You're not going to get them. I mean, I guess you could get them in more mailboxes, but digital oh, yeah. is is the way to go. What What's that been like to move the ship from that print to digital? What What muscles have been tough for Edward in that digital realm that maybe he used to be okay with in print, but now digital is like, woo, that's pretty quick. It moved. It moves fast. Instant response. What else? What else has been a challenge? <laughs> well, I, you know, it, it moves fast. And uh, it, it, for years, the, the, the print, the print audience of Guidepost was was so stable demographically and in every way. We knew who they were. You know, I used to, you know, every year I, I someone someone would at some point would send me a picture of themselves or they'd send an article. In, and I always find one picture and cut it out and stick it up on my you know, computer and saying, that's the person I'm writing for, right? So, and that, that stayed pretty stable. Um, digitally, finding your, your, your audiences, it's a much different ballgame because there are so many different audiences out there that you can appeal to with different products and different services and, 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 the, and even in the way you communicate with them. So that, that monolithic audience that was pretty homogenous for the print publications for years is now kind of fragmented and, 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 you know, find, you know, identifying an audience and, and marketing to them uh, successfully in ways that, you know, we used to send, we'd send out millions and millions and millions of pieces of direct mail, you know, every year. And it, you know, worked, you know, you didn't even have to get a big response in terms of percentages, you know, to succeed, you know, 
you can't find audiences like that digitally. The model doesn't doesn't work that way. Um, so one of the big challenges then is how do you how do you find audiences for specific types of content that you can then develop? And that's really where, where we're at right now. Hmm. And it's exciting. I mean, it, 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 it's really exciting to know that you know you can know so much about people now digitally for better or for worse you, you can and you know how they respond to content and one of the things that we're that, that we can do digitally that you can't do in print is personalized content so if they get a digital newsletter and they you know and we you know we will we, we do a number of newsletters that address different things in people's lives and you can begin to help them you know be able to personalize content you have we have as you know, we have we have years, decades of content about everything uh, at our disposal, and if we can bring people in to the process where they can begin to discover and explore that content on their own, then we've we've really we've done a great thing for ourselves and for them. Uh, yeah, I could almost see, and this is me getting in business mindset. I could almost see you targeting specifically sort of like we've seen with chicken soup for the soul and other other books and publications where you've got you know the guideposts that are specifically for the businessman guideposts mm -hmm. for the people that are recovering addicts you know that have recovered substance abuse or you exactly. know, people that are just in full-time ministry you know they they need a lot of <laughs> nurturing and inspiration sure. i mean that that's cool is that is that kind of and and you know the targeting of audiences is something that digital it's a challenge because how do we define that audience but right. then like you said it's a great opportunity correct it is a great opportunity and it, it's always a great opportunity when you can you can create content that is that serves a specific need um and and digital will allow us to do more that more um more precisely than than we do in print it's not that print print's just it's it's just so broad spectrum in, in the terms of that you, you know, you create a magazine for X number of people and you hope that the magazine addresses the needs of as many of those people as possible. In developing digital audiences, you can really specify the type of content a person is interested in and deliver it and with a goal of, of, of helping them develop spiritual well-being. You know, we want the stories to do more than just make people feel good. We're very good at making people feel good. Um, but we want to be able to be part of their spiritual growth and well-being and yeah. and that's something that digital allows us to do to really reach into people's lives in such a way that we can be a real benefit to their spiritual daily spiritual practices we we you know we do a lot of devotionals we have daily guideposts which is a, our flagship devotional book we have a half dozen devotionals magazines and books that we put out there and you know that that gets into people's daily you know spiritual practices that what they do you know most people tell us that they read daily guideposts in the morning they start the day off with a with a with a little story and a, a lesson from us that's great and, and right now they do it and, and and they do it digitally but they it's mainly a book but how do you even begin to transfer those practices and and that how you serve people in their lives in a digital way how do you do it with a podcast how do you do it on their phones because that's where people live these days not the mailbox but the phone 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sitting here as I'm looking in the Zoom camera. I've got my phone right up above here. So people have these phones with them all the time. I, we'll come back in just a moment as we wrap up in a few minutes. And I'll, I'll ask you to tell us where all they can find you and all that you're doing with the organization now and connect. But you mentioned something right before we flipped on the record and the cameras about uh, some of the challenges that the organization faced at a very significant day in, in the United States history, going back to 9-11. Could you just share a little bit about that? Because you were saying some things. I go, wait, wait, wait. I think I want this on recording. I don't want it to, we, we weren't recording at the time. Could you go back to that? Because I think it was significant for guideposts in the organization. Yeah. So uh, we were talking, uh, we were talking about, I, I'd done a series of interviews um, in September around the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. And, uh, you know, we, our editorial offices have always been in Manhattan. Um, so that day um, was particularly impactful to guideposts. I mean, we could see the smoke. We looked out the back windows of our offices and we could see the smoke rising from the towers down. So it wasn't that far. It was a 10 minute subway ride. Um, I remember uh, I had uh, just recently hired a, an editorial assistant uh, and when I hired her that summer, she said, I said, is there anything that would, you know, interfere with your ability to work at guidepost? And I said, no, no, no. Oh, one thing, you know, I'm a member of the, uh, of the uh, citywide emergency response team because I'm a volunteer EMT. So if there was ever a citywide emergency, I would, you know, I have a, a, a beeper with me and I would have to leave no matter what was going on at work, I'd have to leave and go. And, I, and, we just, and I, said, I said, well, that's not going to happen. Is it? And she said, no, it's never happened. I said, it had to be something like when they bombed the World Trade Center a long time ago. She said, yeah, yeah. That morning, her beeper went off. And she just walked into my office and says, I got to go. We didn't see her for two weeks. She was down there mm -hmm. at the pile. So 9-11 touched us in a, in a very personal way. Um, and we've stay close to 9-11. You know, we have a great collection. If you go to grapples.org and search on September 11th, you'll see an incredible collection of stories because we stayed with it through the years. I mean, it faded away to some extent um, to people who weren't in Washington or Shanksville or Manhattan. But for those of us who were there, every year is an anniversary. The 20th was not that much different than any other year. You, you wake up those mornings, September 11th, and think about what's that day and so we've we've had incredible stories that that we've we've collected over the years of people um and what happened to them that day and, and how they drew inspiration out of it. in the most horrible circumstances there was something there for them to grasp onto and hold on to so that yeah that was it's interesting you bring that up yeah the, in, the interesting thing about it i think that many of us would love a world where we don't deal with those things at all. No challenges, you know, no death. No, I mean, a lot of things like that, but that's not the world we live in. Mm -hmm. And to me, some of the most powerful stories, I mean, I wrote down Storyteller right when we were starting. Some of the most powerful stories are the stories that come out of those situations. As much as we hate the situations, the inspiration, there's a lot of inspiration that comes from that, correct? And that, you know, that's true. And that's, that's why I think guidepost has been so important to people in their lives because we, we, you know, Peel founded it as a contemporary magazine, as a magazine 
that was going to be part of the national conversation. And we have stayed, you know, we avoid political controversy completely. So, but besides, but apart from that, we, we deal with people who are struggling with addiction or divorce. It, I mean, it's not a magazine full of, of people having terrible times in their lives, but many of the stories, whether they're little moments in people's lives or big crises in people's lives is about um, overcoming that part of the world that is harsh and and that gets us down you know it's you know we're not a pen glossian magazine if you remember your voltaire we're not you know trying to 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 you know to, to gloss over um the realities of, of of life in fact we're very much trying to get people you know in in talking about the realities of their lives and their struggles and 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 how you know how they overcome those struggles. I mean, if anything, Guidepost is a magazine of overcoming. You know, people overcome all. You know, with one of the things about a Guidepost story is we always ask ourselves, how does the narrative change? The person that's telling us, how do they change? And how, in the course of that story and the the issues, the problems they faced, how did overcoming those problems change them for the better? And that's really the the the, the kernel of a Guidepost story. And Time and time again, people tell me, you know, I've read a story in Guidepost and I totally related to it. You know, it's part of the, the, you know, the stickiness of the Guidepost brand is that people relate to the stories that they see and they read in the magazine, on the website and and, and other um, platforms that we have. And that gives them hope and that gives them motivation. And that's what we continue to do. And we do that through, we do that through storytelling. And then, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of advice out there, um, but there's not the kind of great storytelling that the, the guy post does that, that that helps people in a very specific way. Yeah, and hope and inspiration doesn't necessarily follow a three-step formula, do this, do this, do this. It's just a general no. feeling R- related to that. I um, Going back to my grandparents that had the stack of guideposts sitting there, that grandmother during the latter part of her life suffered from Alzheimer's and my last memories of her were with Alzheimer's in in a home that she was in. Currently, my father uh, doesn't really know who I am. He's deep, deep into, I think they call it stage six. I don't even know, but he's he's in Alzheimer's. When I went to look uh, for some of the articles that you had, I actually um, read a few of the articles you had written related to Alzheimer's that you had experienced. And I want to tell you that it touched me. I appreciate that writing, but obviously that's part of your you. story also. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really what I'm working on now is it's a book on, on, I say it's on Alzheimer's. Um, you know, it, first of all, it, it's a societal problem. It threatens to overwhelm the healthcare system within a decade. You know, it's, it's a great tsunami out there that, a lot of people don't realize, but beginning to realize, you know, what it's going to mean to this country as the population ages and age-related dementia only increases, and particularly Alzheimer's, which is a 100% fatal disease. Um, in my family, it's very prevalent, as it sounds like in yours, and, and my mother in particular. I'm writing a book now about what that journey was for my family, um, you know, to see my mother go through those six stages of Alzheimer's and and where we found inspiration and hope in in all of that pain and 
anxiety. So, so I am working on this book on Alzheimer's. And the other thing that in the book I, I'm trying to do is to determine my own susceptibility, which means I'm kind of giving, I'm a guinea pig for my, for my own, like I'm seeing a neurologist, I'm testing done. The testing right now, the predictive testing is not great, but they're getting better at it. And, you know, we probably read some of the things I've written about memory lapses that I experienced which may be normal aging or they may be signs of something, you know, down, you know, most, most uh, researchers agree now that, you know, I've, I've been blogging weekly, mostly about, um, about Alzheimer's and I, I've never touched on the subject that has received so many, so much feedback. I mean, this is, you know, everybody worries about their memory. Everybody worries about taking care of somebody who has memory issues. Um, when, they worry about who's going to take care of them. It's it's a huge spiritual spiritual issue because, you know, people wonder, well, you know, will I forget the most important thing of all, which is the presence of God in my life? My book hopes to prove that that's the one thing Alzheimer's can't destroy. It can make the world completely an unfamiliar place. It, it, Alzheimer's makes the world unrecognizable. It makes your family unrecognizable. It erodes those neuronal pathways. But I believe the one thing it cannot erode is faith, is a relation, your relationship with a higher power, with God, whoever. And, and I've seen, I saw that with my mom. You know, she remembered hymns when she didn't remember anything else. You know, she knew what praying was when she didn't know what eating was. You know? So... There is spiritual, even spiritual lessons and inspiration to be found there. And it's important that we find it. You know, we talked earlier about this, you know, the life has bad moments and, and there are, there's not, the world is not all good. Sometimes it's not even mostly good. And Alzheimer's is probably one of the worst things that could happen to a, a, a person you love, maybe the worst disease because it steals your memories. Um, so it's in those, it's in that kind of a situation. We we have to find some inspiration. We have to find some hope in what seems to be a hopeless situation. And Alzheimer's is hopeless. As I said, it's terminal. There's, and there's no cure. Um, so where do we? Where is God in that? And where is faith in that? And it's there, you know. And and that's part of what this book strives to discover and i'm discovering it through my own story but mostly the stories of other people mm, yeah very good yeah it's interesting my my mother is the caretaker and she has been stressed and all about my father and i got her to begin reading the 23rd psalm out loud so that it's for her and for him and she said you know at one point he, he looked over at her and said i remember that i remember the 23rd psalm and so, anyway, I thought I thought that was powerful. So, Edward, uh, I I'm hopeful we got internet to finish up here. But I wanted to ask, what would you say to someone? Kind of as we're wrapping up here, what would you want to tell someone who has never experienced guidepost or any of the stories you've you you have within that umbrella? And go ahead here and tell them where to go to find you guys, where to go to find and connect with what you're doing so that they can experience it, either re-experience it like myself or experience it for the first time. Where would they need to go and what would you want to tell them? I 
I tell them if, that that there is no better time than whatever moment you're in to have a guidepost come into your life. And people tell us, I just, you, people tell me time and time again that guideposts came into their lives exactly when they needed, the moment they needed, even if they didn't know that at the moment. Uh, it, you know, we have this incredible ability to to come into people's lives when they then when we're exactly what they need obviously you can go to guidepost.org um uh, to find out more about how you can uh subscribe to our magazines and books and how you can learn more about our, our digital platforms uh, or you can go to shopguidepost.org which is our shop site and see what we have on offer um we you know we're, we're a not-for-profit corporation uh so we also um you know, often ask for donations if you feel that the mission that we uh, are engaged in is worth supporting beyond uh, buying or subscribing to a product. Uh, we have very few dissatisfied customers. We have tremendous retention rates. Uh, for the magazine itself, um, you know, we, our renewal rate is the highest in the business of any magazine. Um, and that says a lot about the vitality of the content. The, the renewal rate's about 75%. Um, on subscription renewals, most people that's not may not be meaningful to most people, but if most magazines would would be very happy to have fifty percent renewal rates, and you do have to have high renewal rates to keep a magazine going because you you have people invariably drop off. So, guarantee guidepost products tend to be very very. I'm sticky even people come back and very uh, good well we'll definitely include that down in the notes so that people can find all of that and i highly recommend they go check it out especially if they never have before be part of that mission edward we are seek go create and the question i ask as a wrap-up is which one of those words seek go create resonates with you currently more than the other two and why that's my final question for you Well, because I'm writing a book and it's on deadline, <laughs> create, I wake up every morning thinking I must create today. I must create, you know, X number of words today. But, you know, creating and seeking, and, and I don't mean to avoid your question or to equivocate, but creating and seeking are very often the same thing. You know, you seek through a creative process. Uh, so I find, I find by creating, I am also seeking. And, and I find things. I mean, I, I'm a writer who often um, discovers things ab about the writing as I do it. Uh, I know a lot of writers, are, you know, they stick to an outline, they know exactly what they're going to write about, and they're not surprised by anything. I'm constantly surprised by what I'm doing. And that's the seeking part of it. But if you may, nail me down to one word, uh, thank you. Create. I appreciate you giving me one word there. Edward, thank you so much. I've so enjoyed the conversation, even... Yeah, even though we were cut off there once, but I, I want to remind our listener, if you have enjoyed this, please share this episode. The way that people really are exposed to podcasts, YouTube, everything we're doing is typically when someone personally recommends it. So take a screenshot of the podcast, take a, uh, you know, share on YouTube, share on social media. We're on all the social channels. Please share this. I know that Edward Guidepost, they would appreciate it. I would appreciate it because the message of hope needs to get out to more people. So thank you for listening in. We've got new episodes every Monday. Yes, Edward, one other item. Yes. I just want one other thing in, in terms of contact, you know, I am, uh, 
I'm interested in hearing people's experiences as, with Alzheimer's, particularly with a family member as the care, caretakers or caregiver, or however the disease impacted themselves or their families or their communities. So if you have that sort of um, anecdote or story to share, you can share that with me personally at egrinnan, E-G-R-I-N-N-A-N, at guideposts. All right, we'll org. include that in the notes also because I... That's touching so many people right now. So thank you for, thank you for bringing that up, and uh, thank you for the conversation. And again, listener, please share this. Please share this episode. Thank you for listening in. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be. Mm-hmm.